Well, I want to thank Asa for a great question, uh, and I want to thank Joyce for a great answer. What a great uh, dynamic that uh, little kids bring to our discussion of faith, and uh, we really appreciate both of those people and their contribution to today's service. Thank you. I also want to thank everybody who's filled in a survey that we sent out this week. Really helpful to us as we plan a staged uh, reopening of church, if you would, based on the uh, uh, size of groups that we're going to be allowed uh, according to the provincial government. So if you haven't filled out the survey, please go and do so. And uh, in time soon, we're going to be able to bring to you a plan that uh, we will enact as we're able to, uh, as we go forward. Let me pray. Gracious God, thank you for time together again today. Thank you for an opportunity to sing and to praise you. Thank you for uh, little children, Lord, the blessing of, of kids in our church and um, the opportunity to answer their questions. Lord, our prayer is that you will bless the children of this congregation, uh, whether it be today or otherwise, Lord. We want to continue to build into their lives. We want to lead them to a knowledge of Jesus and a personal faith. Lord, we want to help them grow into the people that you long for them to become. So we would pray for Christine, our children's ministry coordinator, Lord, as she continues to do ministry in the families of our kids. Uh, be with the parents as they minister day by day to their children. Uh, grandparents also, Lord, we just ask you, our God, to work by your spirit in the lives of, of our young ones and our little ones that they might come to know Christ. So bless them and bless our children's ministry. Make it effective even in these days where it's a bit more challenging to have impact, Lord, but we pray that uh, you will really touch lives deeply and lead kids to faith in Christ. So Lord, uh, be with us now. Uh, speak from your word again. Let every person who listens have a deep sense that they were not only in the presence of God, but that they are hearing from God. And uh, Lord, that still small voice is a powerful thing. Speak, we pray, Holy Spirit, that uh, each of us, we who listen, we who participate today, might know that we have heard from God. So bless us now, we pray. In Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen. Well, I have an image uh, that, that I love uh, in my mind. It's an image of, of thinking how our homes might become places and might actually be places where the kingdom of heaven is realized. That they might be places where the kingdom of heaven becomes reality for us. Places where, 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 where we experience the things that we've been talking about in recent weeks and certainly the things we'll talk about today. Where Christ is king and the way of Jesus is embraced, the way of, uh, of Christ is honored and followed. It's distinct and it's different. It's countercultural, even counterintuitive to us at times but where Christ's way is enacted in life through family experience. I recognize that those places uh, would, be an incredible, uh, would be incredible places to live. And it would be places of love and places of joy and places of grace and of forgiveness and of patience and of kindness. Places where the, the Spirit of God moves in a powerful way and the lives of everyone in, in, in families would be deeply impacted as a result. That image I love, and it's, it's where we're headed in this series that, that we're engaging in in these days. I'm finishing up today, to be completely honest with you. Such places, when homes become what I have just described to you, they would be incredible witnesses to the reality of Christ. People would be able to walk into them and sense there's something different here. Not difference would be the presence of God by His Spirit, but they would experience, too, the reality of God's kingdom, and they would be drawn to it and attracted to it. It would be a powerful uh, message, a, a witness to, to everything that we believe. And it would also be an incredible place for children to grow up in. 
an environment for them to be nurtured in faith and to be led in the right direction and challenged. And, and it's, it's this focus on children that we're going to embrace today as we continue to think about this series, Jesus, You've Got to Be Kidding Me. Teaching of Jesus that at times seems way out there, not even realistic, not, not something that's possible to enact, but something that Jesus actually calls us to embrace, His way in our lives. In, in, in the end, the theme of this series comes from Ephesians 5.21. We're called to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ to lay down our desires and our interests so that others might be blessed and to do so in love. So let me read today from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 to 4. Now, the whole uh, focus begins in Ephesians chapter 1 when we're called to be imitators of God. And we've, we've been hitting on that theme over and over again. Uh, to, to become like Christ in our relationships with one another and to act in love as a result. And chapter 6 just carries this theme on. There were no chapter breaks in the original New Testament and uh, no verse breaks actually either. That's all been written in since. That's not divine and inspired. It's the wording that is inspired. But I'm going to read from chapter 6, verses uh, 1 to 4, and it describes how kids, children, can participate in this, this, this theme of submitting our lives to one another out of reverence for Jesus. So let me read now. Chapter 6, verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Now, Kids are called, children are called to obey their parents. That's the central focus of this teaching. Uh, there are a couple of problems I'm going to challenge, uh, be challenged with as I speak today, and I want to describe them to you and um, work our way through them. The first problem that I see with teaching this text is that it is directed toward children. Let's just say we're talking for the moment about kids up to about 12 years of age. But my guess is, there aren't a whole lot of kids, children, younger kids, actually sitting and watching today. If you are watching this with your family or even on your own, I just say, way to go, kids. That is a fantastic thing. And I really applaud you for doing it. There may be more teenagers who are involved and in, in watching along with families or on their own. And if you're watching, I say, good for you also. That's fantastic. I, I really appreciate you taking the time to uh, be with us and to want to learn and want to grow and want to understand what God's will is for your life. But listen, the, the, the thing for us to notice, of course, is for children to obey. And that's the instruction that goes to them. But I also want us to recognize, just in case there aren't too many kids watching, that there are, is also an instruction to parents. So what I'm going to do is focus in on that. Parents, what does this mean for you and your families? What does it mean to create that reality of the kingdom in your home. What, do we, what can we dig out of this? There's another problem we have to tackle here, and it's significant. And the question really is, what does Paul, who wrote Ephesians, actually mean when he says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right? What does he mean by that? Well, in New Testament times, this is a reference to younger children um, because there was no teenage category in that day. In Jesus' day, uh, the reality is that, that a, a child became an adult really quickly. It happened in a hurry. 
Um, this is symbolized in the dynamic of the bar mitzvah for boys and the bat mitzvah, bat mitzvah for girls at age 13. Now, I know more and I read more about what happens with boys, and I'll use that to illustrate the point that I'm going to make to you today. At that time, after our bar mitzvah, a boy would become a man in that culture. Uh, all of a sudden, and he would be given expectations and responsibilities of a man. It just happened. Adulthood was thrust upon him. For example, that 13-year-old could participate as a man in the synagogue of the day. That 13-year-old could own personal property, which couldn't happen when he was 12. That 13-year-old could marry. And we know from the birth, the birth narratives, the Christmas stories that we read in the New Testament that Mary and Joseph were really young. And uh, that's reflecting what I'm describing to you today. They took on that responsibility and uh, the expectation of what it meant to be a husband, a father, a mother, uh, and a wife. These 13-year-old young men could become witnesses in rabbinical courts of the day, religious courts which functioned in, in Jesus' day, and so on and so on it went. So we'll need to think a lot about how to actually apply this instruction in our day, how to translate it from that culture into our own, and to really understand what it is saying. So we're going to start with children, young children. I'm going to call it up to the age of 12, prior to the teen years, to begin with. And it's these ones who are told to obey their parents. Um, this, I want to suggest, is their way to fulfill the kingdom reality of submitting to one another out of reverence to Christ. This is how children can participate in that overall theme that characterizes kingdom living, kingdom experience, living out the way of Jesus, as mom and as dad have already been told how to do it, in chapter 5, this just carries on. Now, why are they told to obey? I think that's a really interesting question. Mums and wives aren't told to obey. Dads, husbands, they're not told to obey. But children are. What's going on? Why is this so? Well, let me suggest to you this reality, because children, as cute and lovable as they are, are born with very real human natures. They are born... All their needs have to be met for them by mom and dad. And that's right and it's good. They're really dependent on parents in order even to survive and to be nurtured in the early years. But as they grow, very often they continue, that, they continue to believe that's how they are to be treated. And they really become, if I can put it this way, pretty self-focused little people. Really wanting to get what they want when they want it. That's pretty typical of of somebody that's, say, three or four or five or six and so on. They're focused on themselves, pretty self-oriented, and very often demanding that they get what they want. Now, think about it for a minute. That's a long way from the loving and submissive, humble servants that ultimately we want them to become. But that's where they start. That's the expression of human nature. It's all epitomized in what's called the temper tantrum. And you've probably all experienced this one way or another, being in a mall or, or, or in a grocery store or even in your own home. Who hasn't seen it in their own home? You know, children flailing on the ground because they don't get what they want when they want it. And they're demanding uh, to have what they want, to have their will fulfilled. 
Well, it's at this point that parents need to step in, isn't it? Parents have to make a difference in this circumstance. Otherwise, these kids are going to grow up. If they're given everything they want, whenever they want it, they're going to grow up expecting that of life. It's called entitlement now for, for a lot of people. There's a book that uh, I think is entitled in such a fashion that really fits what I'm describing to you. I came across it this week in my studies and so forth and, and looking on the internet. I don't know the book. I'm not recommending it. I don't know the author. But the book is entitled, You're Not the Boss of Me, Brat Proof Your 4- to 12-Year-Old Child. <laughs> Isn't that fantastic? You're not the boss of me. Brat proof your 4- to 12-Year-Old Child. Because you see, if we don't brat proof them, that's what they're going to become. Kids who expect and who demand and, 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 and live according to the fashion that they think everybody exists for them rather than existing for others. And I want to tell you, my, my, my friends, we who are parents need to think long and hard about this and we need to learn to teach our children to obey and they need to learn to obey us because that's what the instruction is. You know, they need to learn <laughs> and we need to teach them that they and their needs are not all important. There are other people with needs as well that need to be considered and brought into the scenario. They need to learn that there are times that they need to set aside their desires and their interests and their wants. And that's just good and healthy. They need, we need to teach them that the first step in the process of learning to submit to the will of another and in this instance that we're describing, as we talk about teaching kids to obey, they're needing to learn to submit to their parents' will, even though it might not be what they choose or what they want. What needs to happen is they need to begin to live an other-oriented life rather than a self-consumed and self-demanding life. They need to learn, yes, how to submit to others by learning to obey their parents. It's a beginning, but it's an incredibly important beginning. You see, if, if, if they grow up without this, they will become those brats and that, who expect everybody to serve them, and they will struggle in relationships. They will struggle in the work environment. They will struggle in numerous contexts because they think the world exists for them and them alone. Now, we have this opportunity, this great opportunity, to teach them to think very differently they, than they do when they're young children. And I think much of this is, 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 is uh, this passage is much of what I'm describing here. There's another problem with this. <laughs> it's not so much a problem with the text. It's not so much a problem with understanding. It's a problem with our culture. When we're asking our kids to learn to obey. See, we live in a culture that, it, that is characterized by anti-authoritarianism. We live in a culture where all the hierarchies, <clears throat> excuse me, have been flattened. Postmodernism. Uh, lives with that reality. There used to be hierarchy in society that was honored. People at the top of the hierarchy had power and they had trust and they had respect. Well, along comes postmodernism and that hierarchy is flattened. And, and the reality is that many people don't like authority and they don't trust authority. They don't trust the institutions. They don't trust the government. They don't trust the church. They don't trust the banking or the, the business sector. Uh, there, there's no sense of, of, of what once was and as a result, kids are learning, even as they grow up, to not embrace or respect authority. Now listen, if you are taught, if we are taught to teach our children to obey us, if children are taught to obey us, 
there's a recognition that parents have a God-given authority in the life of a child. And thus, obedience is appropriate. And I suggest to you, incredibly necessary. So what needs to happen, my friends? What, 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 what needs to happen? Well, as kids grow up, right now they're learning, I would suggest even on television, uh, to not respect, to honor uh, parents, uh, to, to, to recognize their authority in their lives. I'm not sure if it's still the same, but I, I, I gather that it is. But when my kids were little, I would watch the shows that they were watching, and parents were often made out to be fools. Adults were considered people not to be respected. In those, those shows, children had it all together. Children knew best. Not the parents, not the adults. You see the disrespect. Even in the, the, those shows that my kids watch, and I'm sure yours do often as well, that's wired into this perspective toward those who are, biblically speaking, an authority in the family. You know, it's really interesting to me that uh, this, this title that I gave you of this book, uh, You're Not the Boss of Me, uh, where it came from. I did a little Googling this week, and, and I found out that it was one line in the theme song of a television show called Malcolm in the Middle. Who remem remembers that? I have the faintest memory of, of the show. I can kind of picture Malcolm a little bit, but I, uh, not very much at all. But think about it. Kids who grew up watching that show would hear every single week, you're not the boss of me. You're not the boss of me. You're not the boss of me. And, and, and it's become part of our language. You all recognize the theme, I assume. Uh, the phrase, it's there. Um, you know, essentially what kids grew up thinking as a result, in many instances, I can do what I want. You can't tell me what to do. I'm the boss of me. I can decide for myself what, how I want to live. You see it? You see where kids very often are at in this culture that we have? Well, Jesus has a different way. The kingdom is a dramatically different dynamic and reality, and it's healthy and it's right and it's good both for the children and for parents and for families in general. So yes, parents, we need to step up and we need to teach our children or our grandchildren, as is appropriate. We need to teach them that there are authorities in life, that you are an authority uh, over them. God-given authority is placed in your hands to exercise uh, in their lives. But beyond that, you know, we send them off to school. They need to learn to respect their teachers they need to recognize that those teachers have authority in that context over them. They need to recognize as they grow up and go further into the world that there are police officers and they're an authority in this world and they'd better learn to respect and, and honor that authority and to do so willingly. And, then, and it goes on to governmental officials and ultimately they need to learn that in the kingdom of God, we have an authority and his name is God. He is our father and his son is Jesus. So it's so, so important that we teach them these things. Now, what does Paul specifically in these verses tell us to do? How do we do this? Well, two points are made really clearly. Number one is we have to train up our children, bring them up in the training and then the instruction of the Lord. This word training in a lot of other translations is replaced by the word discipline them in the instruction of the Lord. Discipline them. Now, Many people could look at that and say, well, when our kids don't obey, we need to discipline them. We need to punish them. Well, that's probably part of this. Of course it is. They need to have some pretty negative consequences for behavior that's not right. And when they disobey, there needs to be negative consequence. That's often the only thing that will push them toward something different and good. But think about discipline in this way. I think this is really important. 
that what we need to do as parents is bring an external discipline into their lives by telling them what is right and what is good and what is loving and what is kind and what is generous and what is patient. They need, they need to learn to act in these ways, not because they feel like it, because they probably won't, but because parents bring an external discipline into their experience. We decided for them, we tell them what to do, and we expect them to obey us. And we will do that until, and this is the cool part, they develop their own internal discipline, having learned from us, having learned from their interactions with their parents in such a fashion that they can then override their self-oriented way of thinking. They can come to that place where they move beyond selfish, natural tendencies, and they begin to think about other people and how to treat them well, so that they choose to do what is right and what is good and what is kind and what is loving and what is generous and what is patient and so on and so forth. So we begin the journey for them. We teach them this, and we expect them to obey. And then in time, they will embrace this for themselves, and the discipline will come from themselves within. And that's what we want, isn't it? So, number one, we have to discipline them in the way of the Lord. Number two, we have to bring them up in the instruction of the Lord. Now, what does that mean? A lot of people will look at that and think, well, I have to teach my children the Bible stories and, you know, get that little children's book out and read it with them when they're little. That's completely appropriate when they're little. But if that's where it stops, (laughs) we have missed the boat. That's the beginning of something, just scratching the surface of what it means to bring them up in the instruction of the Lord which Paul describes for us here. No, we have to persist in this and we have to go deeper with it. We have to help them understand what the instruction of the Lord is. The way of Jesus, the thinking of Jesus, the heart of Jesus, the desires of Jesus, the mind of Christ, that counterintuitive, that you've got to be kidding me sort of teaching that Jesus brings into our lives so that they know what it is that Jesus is calling them to. They know his ways. They know the ways of the kingdom. Um, what is that? Well, I would suggest that it, it does require us to teach them what is right and wrong from Scripture. Right and wrong in this culture is not defined by the Bible anymore, but hey, we're people of the kingdom. We're the people of Jesus. He's our king. He tells us how to live and what's moral, morally right and good and life-giving. So that's there. Based on what I've already said, we have to teach them that there is an authority in our life and it's the Lord. That he's God. And that we're called to obey his commands. That's just written throughout scripture from beginning to end. But that we're called to do it not because we have to, not because we would feel guilty if we didn't, not because we're afraid of judgment. We obey the Lord because we love him and because we trust him. You see, the, the, the idea of bringing together obedience with relationship can't be otherwise if we're going to understand the kingdom dynamic. We need to teach our children that. We need to teach our children to be selfless as Jesus was and is selfless, that we don't live for ourselves all the time, that we do consider the interests of others, and we, and we humble ourselves and we love by submitting ourselves, just as we've been talking about in these recent weeks. See, my friends, as we teach our kids these things, and particularly this, this theme of, of submitting to one another of reverence for Jesus, they start to see the dynamic, the reality of what it means to be in the kingdom. And we can teach them this both verbally, we can teach them this through our example. That is powerful in the life of a child. 
We can also teach it when they're going through life and they're encountering various circumstances. Don't let those challenges, those discussions go by without bringing Scripture to bear into their lives. Tell them what it means in dealing with this circumstance, this challenge, even this joy. Tell them what it means as a follower of Jesus, as a kingdom participant, what it is we're called to do and help them apply and understand and discover what it means to be in the kingdom of heaven. Parents, this is our task. This is what we're called to. This is an incredibly important thing. I want to tell you, especially when your children are little, give yourself to this. Don't leave it to us at IPC or any church. You know, we've got them for roughly an hour a week. You've got them for dozens and dozens and dozens of hours every week. Our influence can be good, but it's only supplementary. Your influence is powerful in their lives. And you need to take those early years when they are children, up to say 10 or 12, and form them according to the truth of Scripture and the ways of the kingdom. You know, I did a lot of youth ministry when I was young, and I observed this, that I came to the conclusion somewhere along the line that, you know, parents have 10 to 12 years to really form their kids, to pour into them in these ways. After which, kids hit those teen years and, and, and they are influenced by others a whole lot more, friends and, and so forth, youth pastors, and, and, and that's really incredible and good. And parents have a role to play. Oh, what an incredible role. Keep the boundaries in place and encourage them and love them and be there when they're ready to talk and advise them, all those things. But I'm telling you, it's in those early years that we really have to bear down and focus upon and, and give priority to our children, spend time with them, pray for them, pray with them, share your faith, cause them to know what it means to know and love Christ. Be open with them in these things. And my friends, I want to tell you, the blessings will be long-lasting for them. So, parents, this is our task. Um, I, I, I want to note it's so interesting to me that the responsibility really falls to the parents. No child is going to obey in their own. I mean, I'm talking about those little kids with a fallen human nature who want everything their own way. And No, parents have to teach it. But I want to tell you this, that we are to take our God-given authority and to exercise it by teaching them to obey. Why? So that our children might be blessed, deeply blessed. So interesting in this text that Paul writes the commandment, children, obey your parents in the Lord. And then he goes on and he talks about honoring parents, pulling quotes from the Ten Commandments in the Old Testament, and saying that this commandment is the first commandment with a promise. And what, it, what it promises if kids can learn to honor their father and mother, it says that, they will, uh, that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy a long life. See, that's a whole lot different <laughs> than struggling all the way through life because you're self-centered and you never really know what it means to love and give and, and discover the beauty of full participation in the kingdom of God and the relationships that come with it. Um, our kids will be blessed if we take this passage seriously, moms and dads, moms or dads, and we teach our ch children to obey. Now, I'm not saying it's easy. As a matter of fact, I know it's an incredibly hard thing to do. It takes discipline on our part. It, it, it takes determination on our part. But if we will persist and our kids will learn to obey, to submit their will to that of another, you, they will be blessed in life 
they will be blessed throughout their lives because they were taught to obey mom or dad. Now, teenagers, we need to, we need to touch on the reality of teenagers. How does this apply to you? And if you're a mom or a dad of a, of a teenager, what does it mean for you? Well, contrary to the day of Jesus when a bar mitzvah made you an adult in a moment of time, in our culture, people become adults very slowly. It takes time. And the older you become, the more adult you become. And there's going to come a point, teenagers, when you will no longer, as an adult, need to obey your parents. You will need to honor them. And that's an incredibly important commandment, both in the Old and in the New Testaments. But there'll come a point when you are fully an adult that obedience is no longer required or expected of you. Believe it or not, that's what your parents want. Um, But I want you to recognize this. That without adult responsibilities, you're not there yet. Not, Not at that point where you get to be independent of your parents and get to make all the choices on your own. See, for example... You know, without, for, you know, as would be the case in Jesus' day, without you having a full-time job and contributing financially to your home, without you stepping into the incredibly responsible and challenging relationship of marriage, without taking on that kind of responsibility, you are still dependent on parents. You're not yet an adult. So there is an authority which remains with parents, which will decrease over time as you taking responsibility increases, (laughs) that will take you to that place of adulthood. But my, my, my teenage friends, I always say my friends, don't I? But I'm talking to teenagers right now. We've got to put a hold on the demand to be free of the parental role and authority until that time comes. We just need to accept that we're not there yet until that day comes when you are an adult, you are taking all the responsibilities of an adult and actually living independent of your parents. And what I want to suggest to you, I'm not guessing a whole lot of teenagers are going to love this, but I want you to listen and listen well, that in order to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, the Lord is saying submit to those who have God-given authority in your life until you are an adult. Now that's hard. That's, that's something teenagers don't, they, nobody's jumping up, right, ju- jumping up and down right now, I'm sure, in homes as people listen to this, as teenagers. But I want, I want you to listen to this, and I want you to listen to this carefully. At this stage in your life, I'm talking to 14, 15, 16, 17-year-old, 17-year-old people, this is an incredible opportunity for you to learn something that's incredibly important. If you were to fully Embrace life in the kingdom of of heaven. What you can learn by practice in this time in your life is the way of the kingdom. You can learn to practice in the way of the king. And that is, of course, in the way of submission to others out of love for them. It's no different from wives submitting to husbands. It's no different from husbands loving their wives. This is... I grant you older children, teenagers, but you learn to submit to the will of another out of love and out of respect until the day comes when they are no longer your authority and you are independent as an adult. I hope you take that to heart. I hope you see the opportunity in this. 
you can wait till you're 50 or 60 years old to figure this out, or you can figure it out now and you can practice it now and learn to walk in the way of Christ and to become like him and find the incredible blessing of that. Now, parents, parents of teenagers, what, 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 are you, what can you do to nurture this, to, to, to enable your kids in their growing toward adulthood? Can I suggest one of the most important things that you can do is actually give them responsibility? Even when they're little and through their teen years, that you not just serve their every wish and whim, that you not you know, allow them to treat you like servants in your home, but that you teach them to serve also, clear the dishes, mow the lawn, keep their rooms in good shape, whatever it is, ask of them to be responsible in increasing measure so that, it, so that they will actually learn what it means, as I say, step by step by step to grow into adulthood. You know, when, when they go out into the to school, teach them to respect their parents. Oh, sorry, their teachers. Teach them that, that those people are in a position of authority and teach them to be responsible with their studies, to work hard at that, to take that seriously. You know, they, then they go out and they get a part-time job. Teach them to respect their, their boss, their employer, who is in that context an authority over them. Uh, teach them to take their work seriously and be responsible in those contexts and to save their money and so forth. You know, when, when, they, when, when they, you know, go out into this world and they recognize a police officer, <laughs> you know, that person has authority in this world. And, and, and they're to be respected. And, and, and kids are, have to learn to act responsibly according to the law. And I could go on and on. But, you know, we have to help kids grow in responsibility by giving it to them, even when they're little and increasing in appropriate measure. So that as they grow into those later teen years, they're acting like adults because they are taking responsibility upon themselves and becoming adults as soon as they possibly can. That's number one. Give them responsibility and do it intentionally and do it well. Uh, and, and, and allow them to serve with you in your home as you together manage that family. Number two, I want to suggest that what parents can do, and this is really important, is be uh, cognizant, aware of the tendency that, that is by and large the norm in my experience, and it was certainly the norm in my life, our tendency to hold on to authority, control, and power too long in the teen years. Listen to verse 4 again. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. This idea of exasperating their children, the New Living Translation, a translation I love, says... Don't provoke your children to anger. <laughs> that seems like good advice, doesn't it? Don't get your kids incredibly mad at you to the point of rebellion and harmed relationships very often. What, what's being suggested, I think, is that, that there, there is the possibility of having too many rules in our, in our families, even with young children. We can, we can just burden them with rules and regulations that, that just cause kids to want to push them off and and reject them all. Don't, don't have too many rules. Function more out of relationship and out of love. And secondly, as I've said, don't hold on too long. Um, help them to become the adults that they are becoming by giving them increasing amounts of responsibility and trust. And as they take responsibility, helping out in the home and, and having jobs and doing well at school, as you see this, and you have reason to trust them more because you see them becoming the adults that you long for them to become. 
So, not too many rules. Not holding on too long. You see, otherwise, our kids end up, you're really disliking the influence of mom and or dad and pushing back against it and moving toward that rebellion. We even run the risk of having our kids associate us and our faith and our relationship with God as something that is distasteful and, and, and something that we'd never want to participate in. We can be the Pharisees of our own families by being so rule-oriented that kids don't see the reality of, of God flowing through us, the love, the, the grace, the kindness, the joy. So, let's not exasperate our children. Let's not provoke them to anger. Let's love them. Let's reflect the reality of Jesus and his way to them. You know, think of Jesus and his relationship with us. <laughs> filled with love. Filled with grace when we make mistakes. Deep willingness to forgive the wrongs uh, that we commit. Let's be like that to our children. Let's show our children the reality of Christ as we bring them up and lead them toward adulthood. Well, in the end, what do we want? We want these little people who become big people to come to know Christ. They grow up in the kingdom. We want them to choose to remain in the kingdom, don't we? People who have a personal faith in Jesus, they move beyond you know, living in the kingdom because of their parents' faith, they start to live in the kingdom because of their own faith. And it's real and it's rich and it's deep because they've come to know Jesus. And, the, and we want them to come to know his way. As I've described today, especially his way of submitting to one another in love. We want them to come to know what it means to live in the reality of the kingdom of heaven in our homes, don't we? They, we want them to see Jesus in us. And understand the incredible goodness of the kingdom of heaven in their place of safety and of love. We want them to grow up to learn to live like Christ. We want them to grow up to learn to obey him, even when they don't have to obey parents anymore, and to do so out of love. This is our challenge, parents. This is, this is, this is big stuff. I want to conclude by this way. I want you to see that, vi that, that vision of that image with me. I want you to, to set it as an a vision for your home, that your home becomes an expression of the kingdom of heaven where Christ is king, the spirit of God is present, and the way of Jesus dominates, predominates how that home functions. Um, that, my friends, is an incredible goal to aspire to. That is a vision to give your life to. That is something that God calls us to as parents that will only bless in the end. As hard as and challenging as it can be, it will only lead to blessing in the goodness of God. Listen, I recognize in all of this as I, as I um, speak to you today, and I want to finish with this way, it's not easy to be a parent. It's hard. And teenagers, cut your parents some slack. I've been there. I know it's hard. It really is. It's difficult. Even letting go of control and authority, if you would. It's hard because you've spent a decade and more protecting your children and, 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 and keeping them from harm, and all of a sudden they're heading out the door to harm. <laughs> we want to protect you and love you. But in wisdom, what we do is in time let you go as you learn how to deal with the life and the challenges which will come. And you know, my friends, I just want to conclude by saying we need Christ in this. Children need Jesus. Teenagers need Jesus, parents need Jesus. We need to be filled with his Holy Spirit. 
We need to be empowered by the Spirit of God in order to accomplish that which we're called to. So I'm going to pray to that end and just ask that God will empower you and enable you. Let's do that now. Gracious God, I pray for every single person listening today. I pray that you will just allow them to take these truths and even though they might struggle with them to some degree, help them to receive them from you. Give them wisdom and understanding that they might apply them to their lives in good ways. And I pray, Lord, as we finish this series today, that you will teach all of us in families to submit to one another out of reverence for Jesus, to truly love one another as Jesus has loved us. So, Lord, for children, for teenagers, for parents, empower them, enable them. Lord, we need you. And we invite you into our homes. We invite you into our lives to enable us to be like you. And this we pray in your beautiful and powerful name. Amen. Well, listen, as, as, as our service comes to a close, I just, uh, just want to say how good it is that we can continue to be the church of Christ together in this fashion. And I just want you to know whoever you are, wherever you are, uh, you know, you have belonging and you have a family which loves you. Uh, we're here for one another still and uh, we're praying for one another and continue to, continuing to connect. Uh, and, and if you're not connected, you know, make some telephone calls. Have those Zoom meetings. Let's continue to be this community of people which is united in Jesus and committed to one another in love. So thank you for being with us today. I hope you have a wonderful week and that, uh, that you manage COVID-19 uh, still and that you're growing in your faith and that uh, you really are deepening in your love for the Lord Jesus and your commitment to him. So God bless you. Uh, have a wonderful week and we'll talk to you soon again.